Hey, Four Points Church, welcome to our weekend services. We are so honored that you've taken some time in person or online to join us for week two of our series called March to the Cross. We're looking at a section of scripture in John chapter 13 that ends in chapter 17 that looks at a few hours around a mill in an upper room. It's been called by a lot of theologians the Upper Room Discourse. And today we're going to open up to John chapter 14, and we have a special honor. Pastor Cliff Marshall, who is a part of the START team with the Southern Baptist Convention helping plant churches all over our state, is going to be preaching the word today. He's the founding pastor and planner of a church in Greer called Freedom Fellowship, and he's been a friend of Four Points for a long time. So would you do me the honor and help me welcome Pastor Cliff as he comes to bring the word today to us. All right. Well, good morning. So good. I always love being at Four Points. Now listen, let's just be honest. I know some of you saw that little video and you're like, gum, the preacher ain't here today. I should have gone to the beach. Hey, but one way or other, you're here and most of you will be too rude to walk out right now since you got a guest pastor. So you might as well pay attention, jump in. I'm excited to be here with you today. We are going to be in John chapter four. So uh, go ahead and find that on, uh, you know, if you got an app that you're using or you got a Bible with pages, just go ahead and find John chapter four. We're going to just jump into that here in a second. I do love this church. I've been a fan of Four Points since way back in the Pizza Inn days. There are some of you that remember that. And uh, where is um, the lady? Who was the, uh, right there. What's your name, ma'am? Yes. Dolores. I saw you had Dolores, but I didn't know if that was your child's name because, you know, sometimes they give you a sticker. <laughs> and uh, man, I just tell you what, y'all already heard a sermon before we got so. Thank you. That buttered my biscuit, uh, Listen to you do that. But we're going to be in John chapter 4, and, uh, and this is a, a long discourse that Jesus was speaking to some of his closest friends. And this is in the go- what we call the Gospel of John. I know you already know this, most of you, but the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we refer to them as the Gospels. And, and Gospel is just a religious word that means good news. And the reason we call those first four books of the Bible Gospels is because these books, they outline the life, the teachings, the, the miracles, the death, the, the resurrection of Jesus. And that is good news for us because all of those things allow us to have an opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, allow us to have an opportunity to be in relationship with God. And we're going to talk about some of that today. So, so follow along with me while I read John 4. And I'm going to just go ahead and read through the first 14 verses. And so it says this, Jesus is speaking, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas, one of the disciples, who what we know about Thomas is he was always the practical one. Sometimes to his own detriment, he was so practical. And, and you'll hear a story about that uh, when, when y'all get to uh, post-resurrection time. You see how practical Thomas was. But he asked a question, and I got to believe he was asking the question that everybody else was thinking. He was just bold enough to say it out loud. And he says this, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This passage of Scripture and passages of Scripture like this in the New Testament and the Old Testament where, where we are getting the direct teachings of Jesus or the direct teachings of a prophet in the Old Testament are extremely important for us today living in 2022. And he, here's why that is. It's a big fancy word called theology, right? Now, you probably thought, all right, Cliff, I didn't show up to church today to get into a lecture like I would get at a college class. So just everybody relax. This is going to be okay. Just, just hang with me here for a minute. But what I want to tell you is, is that all of you are theologians. In fact, and you're surrounded by theologians. Now, here's what I mean by that. This word theology, what this means is, if you break it down into its two parts, it, it's, it's really a combination of two words. The first word is a word theos, theos, which is the Greek word for God. And then the second word is logos, L-O-G-O-S, which is the Greek word for words. And so theology is, is just putting those two together to mean God words, God talk. It, it's it's the, what people do when they talk about who God is and talk about who, uh, uh, what the eternal things of life are all about. And that's why I tell you that all of you in some point have been and are theologians, because chances are at some point you've had an opinion about God, and you've expressed that opinion to someone else. And if that opinion was the right opinion, it was something based on Scripture that probably you learned maybe here at Four Points or in your own personal Bible study or by meeting with a group of people that you all believe in the same Jesus and the same God, and so that's your theology. But chances are really strong in the world we live in today, you are also hearing theologies from people who are false theologians. And these aren't, they don't call themselves theologians. You see, we're surrounded by theologians who are actors, but somehow they think because they're in a movie and that they, they've now got a platform that they have an opinion about God, they have an opinion about heaven, they have an opinion about morality that they can express to you and they think that somehow they have the right to do that and they are a theologian. Maybe it's a newscaster or a politician or, or some type of an artist, a musical artist, or somebody else. And these folks, they all are theologians, and we are theologians when we express our opinions about those things. And I want you to know 
that sometimes in the world we live today, it can be very dangerous because we're surrounded by all of these ideas that are flowing into us, and, and those things may be false. And thanks to social media, which we didn't have when I was growing up, now we can all be theologians and all put our opinions out there. And you know, you got that crazy uncle. Everybody's got that crazy member of the family that before social media, his crazy ideas about God, the Bible, Jesus, and heaven, and other religions, he just could express to the people he worked with, and you'd have to listen to it at Thanksgiving every year. But now, thanks to Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everything else, he's putting it out there every day for everybody to hear. And and one of the problems with these false theologies that we get is that sometimes there's a little bit of truth in there. And sometimes there are people that they even know enough of the Bible that they will combine good theology from the Bible with their own bad theology. There's one famous, a lot of people do this. There's one famous person that does it. I don't really want to call her out, but her initials are Oprah Winfrey. And she, <laughs> and, and listen, she, she was raised in the church. And I know that Oprah has heard the truth and has heard the true gospel, but at some point in her life, she began to take some other ideas and wanted to combine it with the teachings of Jesus, and that's so, so dangerous. And so passages like this today, where we have the direct words of Jesus that he was saying to his closest followers, we have to pay special, special attention to. And so verse 6, I want to focus in today on verse 6. Jesus had been saying some things to his believer, to his followers, and then the, uh, we, we saw that Thomas asked a question, and he says, hey, how do we even know where you're going? And so Jesus, it's almost like he says, listen, I'm going to break this down into the most simple terms I can. And one of the things I love about reading the teachings of Jesus is they are not complicated. They are deep, they are eternal, but they're simple. They're not complicated. And here's a perfect example of that. We have nine words These nine words, you can build your entire life and eternity on these nine words, and they are this, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The first two words in that verse when Jesus says, I am, to us, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal because we use those two words all the time because we like to talk about ourselves, don't we? We, we make a lot of I am statements. Uh, in fact, go ahead, let's just practice it right now. Just go to this person next to you and make an I am statement about yourself that you know to be true. Go ahead, do it right now. All right, good. Now, I don't, I don't see, I'm, I'm looking out in the crowd. That if, if there's a young man who was sitting next to a young woman you liked, I hope you took this opportunity because you could have looked at her and just said, I am your next date, right? You could have done that. But I don't see a lot of that here. But, but we all have these I am statements, right? I, I can tell you a lot about myself by making I am statements. I am a husband to Sherry. I am a dad to Emily and Grace. I am still trying to figure out how to be a good dad, even though my girls are almost grown now, or one of them is grown and the other one's almost grown. I, I am an employee of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. I, I am a Gamecock fan. I, yeah. I am frustrated, mostly because I'm a Gamecock fan, right? Y'all, y'all know. Uh, so, so we can make these I am statements, and it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to us. But listen, in that day, when Jesus started a sentence by saying I am, it was a huge deal, and here's why. He was talking to all Jewish young men, all, all young men that were raised understanding 
the Jewish way of life. In fact, they were so committed to living the Jewish way of life that they had given up their, uh, their careers and other things to follow a rabbi, to follow a teacher, which was Jesus, and to learn from him. That was part of being a really super committed Jewish young man. And in that world, those folks understood that there was this story that happened years and years before in the Old Testament where a man named Moses was greeted by God in the form of a burning bush. And God tells Moses from the burning bush, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him that he's going to release the Jewish people from slavery. And Moses says to God, okay, all right, all right, you want me to go. Who, who am I supposed to tell him is sending me? Who are you? What is your name? And in Exodus chapter 3, 14, God says this. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So when you fast forward all the way to the upper room where Jesus is meeting with his closest followers and he says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That was a big deal because he is letting them know, listen, there's no separation between God the Father and who I am as Jesus Christ. And these young men had known their whole life, they had been taught that God is not just a little bit separate, but very separate. That, that God is so separate that, that they weren't even allowed to pray to him personally. They had to have a priest go in and do that. And he could only do that once a year. And he could only do that in a very special place in the temple that no one else was allowed to go into. And so when Jesus says, I am that was a huge deal because he's using the very name of God to describe himself. And this wasn't, this wasn't the first time he did this. He had been doing this. Actually, if you read through the book of John, he had been doing this all along. He had said things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. And Jesus is making it very clear to his disciples that he and the Father are the same. And so then in verse 8, we see, at, you know, when Jesus makes this statement and then Philip says, because Philip being a good Jewish young man, he says, okay, all right, all right, Jesus, we understand, you know, that you're a rabbi, we understand you're a good teacher, we've decided to follow you, but show us the Father and that's enough for us. And it's almost like Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm telling you I am, but just to clarify, he says in verse 11, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And so when we're reading these words, when, when we see what's going on here, we need to pay special attention because these are the words not just of Jesus, they are of Jesus, but Jesus is also God. The two are the same. Actually, there are three the same. We just sang about that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, three in one. And so these, these, these teachings that we're hearing are directly from the mouth of of God. And so that's why I think it's so important that when we are bombarded with false theology day after day in the culture we live in, every time we turn on our TV, every time we open up our phones, every time uh, we listen to something, we're bombarded with this false theology. We have to pay attention to these words of Jesus. And, and what I think is interesting is there are three particular false statements that you will hear, that you have heard, that this verse refutes. The first thing here that Jesus says, he says, I am the way. He is the way 
to the Father. He is the way to God. Now, here's a false statement that you have heard from theologians in our time, and maybe you've heard it a lot your whole life, and it is this. There are many paths to God. People love to say that. Man, you know, I understand that you're a Christian, and it's good that you go to that church over there, you know, in Duncan, and that's great for you, but, but there's, a, there's, there's not just one way to God. There's many paths to God. You can be, you can be Jewish. You can, you can be Buddhist. You can, you can uh, follow the teachings of Islam. You can, you can do all these different things. It's all leading us to the same place, and, and we, we, there's part of us that we kind of like that idea, right, because we don't like exclusivity, just even as a culture, even as an American people, we don't like when people are, well, we say we don't like when people are left out, but part of us, we do like it a little bit, right? Because we like to be in the end thing and, and know that not everybody can get in. And that's what this idea of there are many paths to God is all about, because what you're saying is it, you can have any of these religions or really no religion, just as long as you're trying hard and you're being good to grandma's. And, and you're donating some money here and there, at the end, when it's all said and done, whatever the God is, he's going to see, he or she, people might think, is going to say, it's all right, just come on in to where I am. There are many paths to get to God. And that is, that is a false theology that Jesus refutes right here when he says, I am the way. See, this, this, this many paths to God theology really is saying it's you're the path to God. It's saying if you can be good enough, if you can try hard enough, then you can find a way to God. And, uh, you know, and this, this is what I call like the Amazon Prime theology because uh, I don't know if, if y'all know how special I am or not, but you're looking at a Prime member right here. Um, I got a phone over there and then just, you know, I can go down there and I can, I can order K-cups or batteries or a shovel, you know, I, you know, I can order new floor mats for my car, and all that stuff will be sitting at my house within 48 hours. That's how special I am, right? Now, you know that's silly because how hard is it to be an Amazon Prime member? Not hard at all. It's not hard at all. But we, it makes us feel better because they call us Prime, <laughs> like we're somehow in a club that no one else can get in. And that's what this mini pass to God theology is, is like. It's almost like, hey, you're better than someone else because you're trying hard. But let me tell you what Jesus tells us. Jesus says that he is the only way, and we can't try hard enough. You can try as hard as you want. You can donate as much as you want. You can serve as much as you want. You can be as nice as you can possibly be, and it's never going to be enough to get you to God because it only comes through Jesus. It only comes through what he did on the cross. It only comes through the power of the resurrection and letting him take you to the Father. See, Jesus didn't say he was a way to God. He said he was the way to God. There are not many paths. There's only one path. And in fact, Jesus makes that very clear at the end of this verse when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And at the end, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the second part of this verse, and there's a, a great false theology that, that has just recently sprung up in the last couple of years that it refutes, is when Jesus says that he is the truth. 
He is the way to God, and then he is the truth about God. And let me tell you the false theology that this refutes that you have heard. I didn't even hear this statement until a few years ago, and that is this. Speak your truth. How many have heard that? Speak your truth. Now, here, listen, I understand what folks are trying to do with that statement, and they are trying to accomplish good things, and they are folks that have good intentions. The idea behind speak your truth is you need to be able to share your experience. You need to be able to, no matter what it was, you need to be able to be listened to because there are folks in this society who have constantly been marginalized. Their voice does not get heard. And that's what the speak your truth movement is all about. But listen, there is no your truth that's separate from anybody else's truth. And, and the problem with speak your truth, if I speak my truth, my truth is based on my experience. My truth is based on my feelings. And here's the thing about that. What, what happens when my experience and my feelings conflict directly with your experience and your feelings, then what is the truth? We don't know at that point, do we? And so when we talk about speaking your truth, that can never be relied on because the other thing is my truth might change next week. My experiences may not have changed, but what I feel about them might change. And all of a sudden, now my truth is different than it was. But what Jesus is saying here, he says, I am the way to God and I am the truth about God. And that is all wrapped up in what he taught and what he did. And that never changes. That is eternal. That is the only eternal truth that there is. You know, folks saying that they're going to speak their truth, the other part about that that's so dangerous is that most of us don't live out very well what we speak or what we say we believe in. At least I don't. You know, if you pin me down and say, Cliff, what are the things that you really, really believe in that maybe you would even die for. I can list some stuff off, but then if you follow me around for a year and a half, you're going to find that there are going to be times when I don't live up to my own standards. None of us do. And so when we say we're going to speak our truth, it's kind of like going to a doctor that my daddy used to go to. And my daddy talked about, he said, this guy would always tell, you know, my daddy, hey, you need to do all these things. And daddy looked at that guy, knew he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, never exercised and ate donuts every morning. You know, and my dad was like, man, why am I listening to this guy tell me that I'm supposed to exercise and diet? And that's kind of what it is when we speak our truth. We don't even live up to the things that we say, but Jesus always did. Look in verse 10 and 11, what Jesus says there. So after he says, hey, I am the truth, then he says in verse 10 and 11, he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And listen, the words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. So the words I've been speaking to you are the truth. And the Father who lives in me does his works Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So Jesus says, I've given you two examples of who I am and two examples of what truth is. It's the things I've said and the things I've done. And the things Jesus said and the things he did always lined up, unlike us. He is the way to God. He was the truth about God. And that truth is gives us peace because it doesn't change. 
And then the third thing Jesus said in that verse, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he has given us an opportunity to live a life for God. Now, here's the false theology that this refutes. And this one is a huge one. Follow your heart. Doesn't that sound so good and sweet? In fact, that follow your heart is an oldie but a goodie. It's been around a long time. There have been songs written about following your heart. There have been books written about following your heart. Some of our favorite movies are all about people following their heart. Every rom-com ever is about somebody following their heart, right? We love the idea. Hallmark movies, you know, the lady in a small town, you know, who came from the big city and comes back home, and there's the guy that he's so good looking, and he's got a dog. She's just going to follow her heart, right? We love the idea of following our heart. But I want to tell you something, that, that if we live our life by the maxim of following your heart, it is one of the most dangerous things you can live your life by. In fact, I would say that maybe the top three things in this world that are the dangerous ways to live your life by are follow your heart, throw gasoline on an open flame, and criticize your mother-in-law's cooking. Those are the, probably the worst three things you can do with follow your heart being on the Mount Rushmore of dangerous statements that we can live our life by. And here's why it's so dangerous. It's because in the book of Jeremiah, do you know what the book of Jeremiah says about our hearts? says the heart is deceitful above all things. We can't trust our own hearts. And so Jesus said, don't follow your heart. You follow me. You live a life for God through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And following your heart is your life, but not the life of Jesus. And Jesus says that he was and is the life. And when we live a life for God through Jesus, we have a life of purpose. We have a life of power. We have a life that motivates us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. We have a life that, that moves us to do things that are hard. And what I, one of the things I've discovered in 52 years of living on this earth is 99% of the time, the right thing is the hard thing. And Jesus says that that life comes only through him. We can live a life of sacrifice and of impact and of purpose through him. So Jesus provides us a way to God. Jesus is the truth about God. And Jesus allows us to live a life for God. Now I'm going to, don't put it up yet guys, it's going to be distracting to people when you do. I want to introduce you to a member of my family, and uh, here, here's a picture of her right here. All right, so, yeah, see, I knew that was going to happen. So this is Sally, right? She's our precious little baby, baby girl, because we don't have any girls at home anymore. Um, and she, isn't she just the cutest thing? Now, uh, don't let those looks fool you. She's terrible. Now, let me take that back. She's not always terrible. But she's terrible every day when this happens. Every day. And in fact, it just happened to me a couple hours ago. When we try to leave the house, she is terrible. She goes crazy. Uh, she can sense when it's going to happen. When I put on a belt and I put on shoes, she, she, gets all, she starts following me around and whining. 
when my wife puts on lipstick, it's, you know, it's, it's just the craziness ensues. And then when we grab a set of car keys, it's, she's off the hook just going bananas, barking her head off. My ears ring because I've been to too many concerts and because of her barking. And, and that she just goes crazy. And why does she do that? Well, she doesn't speak English, but I'm pretty certain I know why she does that. Because she really loves us. And she doesn't want us to go away. And it scares her to think that we're leaving. So we say things to her. Again, she doesn't speak English, but we talk to her like she does. And I know y'all do the same to your dog, so don't judge me for that. So we will look at her and say things like, Sally, you know we love you. Sally, we're not going to be gone long. Sally, we always come back. We're going to come back. Sally, please shut up. We say these things to her, right? And it doesn't do any good. She just, she just loses her mind. Now, at the beginning of this message, I just jumped right in, man. We started talking about false theologies, and I went to verse 6. And you might be thinking, Cliff, there was a, there was a verse at the beginning that you didn't read. That what, is, what was that all about? And so look back at verse 1. Jesus said this to his closest followers. Don't let your heart be troubled. What were they troubled about? Well, Jesus had been talking to them for that evening. And really, if you go back and read through the book of John, he'd been telling this message for a long time. He had been telling them that he was getting ready to leave. It was like me putting on my belt and shoes in front of Sally. He began to talk about he's getting ready to leave, and they were, they were nervous about that. They were scared about that. Why? Because they loved Jesus, but also they were dependent on him. They had, they had grown. This was their way of life, that being with him, listening to him teach, doing the things he told them to do. And now he's telling them, hey, I'm going to be leaving you. And he made some promises to them that they didn't quite understand yet. He promised that the, the Holy Spirit would come. He, he promises them at the end of this passage, you're going to be able to do greater things than I could ever do when I was here. But still, they were troubled by this because they couldn't imagine not being face-to-face -face with Jesus. And so he began to make promises to them, kind of like I make promises to Sally. I'm coming back. I love you. And Jesus said, listen, I'm going somewhere that you're going to be able to go one day and I'm going to go get that place ready and I promise I'm coming back to get you. And that promise wasn't just for those closest followers. That was for us. That he's telling us, listen, I know things are hard in 2022. I know there's a lot of false theology out there, but I promise I'm coming back. I promise that where I am, I'm preparing a place for you. And all of you have heard these verses spoken at funerals. If you've ever been to a funeral, if the preacher was doing his job, he probably said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and it's a house with many rooms. And we love that promise. But one of the things we have to remember is, is that right now, we are separated from Jesus physically. We're not separated from him spiritually. But I'm going to eat lunch this afternoon, and I can't sit across from Jesus and physically eat lunch with him and look into his eyes like the disciples could. And so he was telling his disciples, listen, I'm going to be gone, so it's very important that you remember who I am. 
it's very important that you remember my words and I would say the same thing to us today. It's a life or death situation that we understand who he is and that understanding is based on his teaching and we ignore all the false theologies that are coming into our life every day. There is one way, there is one truth, there is one life and that's only found in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, you are the one and only God. You are the true Savior of the world. You have freely given yourself to us through Jesus Christ. And we celebrate today that we can have salvation in you through the cross and the resurrection. Father God, help us to remember this week when we are faced with false teaching. When people that we love, that mean well, tell us things that are not true, that we would remember your teachings, that we would be bold enough to tell them lovingly who you really are, and that we would see a movement of your spirit in this community. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.